Hello everyone and welcome to Inside the Arena podcast brought to you by Piers Arena. On Inside the Arena podcast, we talk about mental health, well-being and every other issues and challenges we all face in our day-to-day lives. And on each episode, we'll be having a guest on to talk about their own experience with these issues and most importantly, how they are able to navigate and overcome life struggles and challenges. I am your host, Tony, and thank you very much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inside the Arena podcast. Um, today, we are joined by um, a guest who has actually been here before, and um, her name is actually Anu. She's a clinical psychologist. Um, we're very grateful and honored to have her on again. And without wasting so much of our time, I'd like to just have her reintroduce herself so the audience can really get familiar with her. All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Anu Chideojo, and I'm a clinical psychologist based in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, I'm the founder of the platform of the private practice, Us Therapy. And there, I provide um, individual and relational therapy to everyone that needs it. Um, and we focus a lot on anxiety, depression, trauma in different contexts. And I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you on. Um, so how's the practice? How's it going? It's going great. Uh, I, I think I've been thinking about it as, um, as much as I process work as a um, clinical psychologist, I also process it a bit like a freelancer or like an entrepreneur. And it's it can be very daunting to move through. And every day it's its own joy and delights and <laughs> gifts. And um, it's exciting to be a part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can be very overwhelming sometimes. Running a business on its own is daunting. Now having to deal with the emotional parts of your practice is, is I know it can be it can be something. But please do keep going for us. We need people like you in the world because you're actually making the world a better place. And yeah, so we're rooting for you, and hopefully you can find some help that can be of like find some people that will be of great help to you in the, in the nearest future. Um, so anyways, um, so this conversation came about me reaching out to you and wanting to have you on the podcast again. And, um, we were kind of contemplating on what should be like the focus, like the area of focus of the conversation. And you came up with an amazing topic, which is grief and not just looking at the typical grief and what, um, like, and death of the, the death of a lost one or the lo- the lost the loss of a of a loved one rather um we talked about focusing on different areas of grief that people might not actually know that they are going through but it's like happening every day and they may not consider it grief so let me not really really um give give too much away i think we should just jump into the conversation anyways so um i guess my first question would be how would you define grief and how does it really different, uh, like differ from other type of emotions? I do think I would describe grief as an emotion because grief is a whole experience that comes with processing the loss of something. So a number of emotions fall under the umbrella of grief. When you're processing grief, you are both angry, you're sad, you're despondent, you're indifferent, you have your happy moments, you're wistful, you're anxious. There are a number of things that show up when you're experiencing grief, but I think that grief is generally what happens when you're processing the end of something or the loss of something. Like when grief shows up, it's so complex. Sometimes people are surprised when they feel relief while grieving, Hmm. even when they feel sad while grieving as well so it's that's why i wouldn't call it an emotion it's more of like an action so it's a whole bucket of experience that you move through when you're experiencing the end of something so yeah yeah um referencing the end of something so um i guess what what other things can be considered as grief apart from the um, the typical grief that we know and we've come to be we've come to familiarize ourselves with? Like when you say the word grief, most people associate it with like the loss of a loved one. So, what other loss might be considered as grief? Anything. It can be um, the loss of a friendship. It can be you losing a car. It can be the end of a relationship. It can be losing a job. 
It can be, you know, the loss of your former self where you know that you are this person. If you are someone that was very extroverted, very good to be around or excited to be around people and then suddenly something happened and you're a lot more withdrawn, you're not as excited to be around people or to participate in the things that you used to enjoy doing as people do um, experience when they are depressed, you may miss that your that former self, right? If it's 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 a it's a lot like loss of money, loss of status, um, loss of community can also you know these are things that you grieve to outside of the death of someone. Yeah. Um, typically, right when people um, experience like the loss of a loved one, they actually have a sense of understanding about what they are grieving about. Right. Um, now that you're talking about uh, maybe the loss of a community, the loss of the end of a relationship, the loss of your former self, which is something, whew, which is something. Yeah, I think that happens to us a lot, um, even if we don't really want to admit it. We know deep down sometimes um, we've lost that touch, that drive, that extra gear that we used to have towards something or towards chasing a particular goal. Um, so I guess my, and usually when that happens, I don't think we tend to think about it as we're grieving that thing that we have lost. And we most tend to think about it like, um, um, people tend to think about it like, oh, maybe I'm feeling like depressed or something. Like they kind of associate it with other terms. So I'm kind of like, um, I would like to know. Um, so what, what would you say are some signs for people to actually know they are grieving the loss of something that may not be the typical um, loss of a loved one? Sometimes people may not, um, when someone loses, say, a loved one or maybe not a loved one in this context, say your former self, sometimes they may not even get to the point of grief. They may start feeling shame. They may start feeling bad. Say mom now that just had her firstborn. And before she gave birth to the child, um, she was more connected with her husband. She went to the gym five times a week. She had her job. She had all of this. Like everything had its own schedule. And now everything is up in the air. She doesn't know when she would sleep or when she would take, have a moment. Like a break for her is five minutes to quickly take a bath and then come back to her child. And she knows that she loves this child. She knows that she's excited that this child is a gift. But sometimes she looks at this. She, she, she's on Instagram and she sees her friends going out to like cocktails at 6 p.m. And she's like, ah, that used to be fun. And then it's like, oh my God, should I should I feel that way? I'm a good mother or I, I promise you I love my child. Or And then it's like, it's okay to love your child and to miss, you know, your your friends it's okay to love your child and miss the structure that you had and it's okay to love your child and to actually process the loss that came with this new season that you're entering so a lot of times people would would respond to this loss with a bit of shame a bit of guilt a bit of sadness and the work there is to now convert all of that and process it and grieve it so that you'll be able to successfully move into this season accept this season and like be present in this season pending the time you're able to participate in all the other things that you used to enjoy so i think that a lot of times people actually don't immediately move to grief they first like experience all of these uncomfortable emotions until someone actually pulls them aside and say hey you're permitted to grieve this thing you're permitted to feel all of this feeling and actually like experience the discomfort and mourn that loss so that you'll be able to accept what you are experiencing now and get grounded in that now and show up for yourself that there now here. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's something. So you would, you, it's, it's almost like saying um, grieving is a very, very important um, stage of moving past something. So um, I guess my next question would be um, when people experience grief that are not, that's not um, the typical grief of a loved one, are they stages to going through that same grief, just as there's um, the stage we've come to all realize that um, when you lose a loved one, you have to accept and the, the four stages of grief, basically. It does the same thing applies to um, all types of grief? I think so. I think that the five stages of grief, um, it helps people contextualize um, what they are feeling per time. It may not necessarily be to like move from denial to anger to bargaining to depression and acceptance. Sometimes you start with anger and then move to bargaining and then maybe get into a bit of 
accept and then you're like, no, 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 that's just too much. I need to get back to denial because that feels a bit easier for me. So it can be a bit more modeled than that, you know, linear process. But I think it generally, that those five stages of grief, it works through different kinds of grief that people are experiencing. Yeah, interesting. I never thought about it that way. Um, so what would you say are some common mis- misconceptions you've actually noticed around grief in your practice, in your practice so far? I think the first one is um, you can that there should be a deadline to it. Like, um, especially within the context of, so in my practice, I work with people processing the end of a relationship a lot. And there's always that thing of, I should have gotten over this person by now. I should snap out of it. Um, my friends are telling me, well, just go out there. And then you hear the popular say, like, the best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody. And it's like, the goal is to get over the situation and they give themselves this arbitrary deadline. But there's no deadline to grief. You have to feel your feelings. The idea is to keep functional and to be agile while you're processing these feelings so that it doesn't get, you know, complicated and all of that. But there's no deadline to it. I think that's the most that's the most common one. That's I should the shoulds are there. Or what does it say about me if I'm not over this thing yet? What does it say about me? You know, and then it, that shame now starts showing up. Like what does it say about me that I'm still into this person even though they were like horrible or I'm still into this person even though even if they were not even horrible, it's like they said they want to go. So why are you still, you know, feeling all of these things for someone that really doesn't want to stay? <laughs> and it's like, I was like, no, nah. it's, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. It's a lot more complicated than that. Yes. Wow. Um, because I, I think I can really relate to that. Like, um, feeling like, okay, you know, let's, you know, there's this thing in relationships whereby, um, sometimes we're constantly battling for who cares more even if we're not saying it verbally, right? There's this thing about like, um, if you leave, that, come on, there are other people out there or like, I'm just like, I don't know. There's this, sometimes we battle for this unspoken supremacy in relationships. So I think if someone who think they have dominated in that regards, then go to the end of that relationship and then find out like they actually needed the person more than the thoughts they did in that relationship. I think that's where a situation like that comes in. Like, okay, what does this say about me? This is my hard guy, hard girl status that I've always pride myself on and the rest of it. <laughs> it's, it's non-existent. Exactly. And I think that is also the work of grief there where it would strip you of your defense mechanisms and allow you to feel your, if you permit yourself to, it would allow you to feel your feelings because if you move through a relationship and you say that you're not going to be vulnerable or if you move through a relationship and you say that you're not going to connect or like build that emotional intimacy even though somewhere part of you like even though you were still there maybe your attachment style like made you like put up walls and then the end of the relationship you are feeling all of these big feelings grief will help you break through the walls that you've put up and actually like feel your feelings to the point that you may actually learn and become a more present person in the next relationship because you are, you now know the impact of not feeling. You now know the impact of shutting down. You know that it didn't help you in the past that at the end of the day, all of those feelings that you're trying to avoid, you would meet them in the future. So like, that is the work of grief there. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. Yeah, that's that's very, very important actually. Um, so. Um, let's let's go to the individual who's like experiencing this type of grief, like loss of a relationship, for example. Um, what what would you say are some practical and um, healthy way of communicating that feeling to people around them? Because you know, like you talked about the shame when people go through such grief. Sometimes it's like um, people sometimes feel ashamed, or they feel like they are being um so much of a drama king or drama queen when um the 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 sort of grief that they are processing cannot be physically measured right it's not like oh um you sort of like um, um, lost a loved one or something so some people actually would kind of withdraw into themselves because they don't feel like 
whatever feeling or emotions they are going through at that particular time is worth saying. Some people would actually go as far as saying that, um, why am I feeling this bad? Or why should I tell people when this, per like there are people who are losing their parents every day or there are people who are losing their children or whatnot. So why, like mine is just, you know, quote unquote, and they don't feel like um, it is what's bringing to the table to discuss with people around them. So how would you best advise people who find themselves in that kind of a situation? Oh, that idea of comparing the enormity of tragedy, it can be quite tricky. Like, people have a lot of empathy for other people and they start like saying like, oh, no, my own is small. But while the situation of losing a relationship may seem small compared to losing a person, your experience of it internally is not small. The experience of ending a relationship can be as traumatic as anything else there are people that have somatic reactions to you know processing the loss of a relationship where they are like throwing up or breaking out in hives or having nightmares or unable to sleep alone and all of these things and if the impact of the end of that relationship is present with you is just as valid as any other thing there and i think that's there is space for you to feel your feelings and for you to talk about your feelings and also have the other person talk about their feelings and feel their feelings too you don't have to choose between one or the other you can both expand to make room for what you're both experiencing at the same time so an interesting thing is that when someone else is going through something um difficult while you are going through something difficult it helps to have that shared experience it's like life isn't smiling on both of us at the same time can we be each other's people as opposed to i'm going to be fine you are not fine there's a reason why group therapy helps where everybody there you're all experiencing something similar so nobody is feeling like oh everything is going on with this person so i can't bring my own in it's like if we are both going through messes can we both be messy together i think that that is its own type of community where you're both sitting with each other when you're down talking about the big feeling that showed up that day talking about the good times that showed up that day and you're making room for both of your situation so i feel like there's a bigger payoff when you both recognize that there's something happening there's something very significant happening to two of you at the same time and this is an opportunity for you to both be present for each other for you to both be vulnerable for each other for you to be emotionally available for each other because you're processing a loss the same way that other person is processing a loss. And that gives you like a unique kind of empathy that nobody else would understand. So if you see that we are some sort of like difference, you know, access that you have, that the other, that other people that are fine or okay or whatever may not have, it makes it easy to make room for the both of you at the same time, as opposed to minimizing your own feelings so that the other person can say and say and say while you are shutting yourself down. So my point is there's space for the both of you and you know, access that space. Um, you know, we talk about the stigma surrounding mental health a lot in Nigeria, right? And I think one of the ways um, that stigma remains relevant or prevalent is the fact that we have also normalized this suffering Olympics in our culture, whereby it's like, um, mine is worse than yours. Yours is worse than mine. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. like, like that, that has been sort of like a way to propagate the stigma in such of like, okay, why should I talk about mine? Or why should I throw like a temper tantrum when, you know, when other people are going through X, Y, Z and the rest. Yeah. So I think, yeah realizing that very very important part of our struggle in trying in trying to like um uh, break down the stigma that's something that should be constantly talked about because it's like um i saw a quote once someone drowns in a pool of water and someone drowns in the ocean at the end of the day someone drowned it's not about the quantity of the water it's the simple fact that somebody actually drowned so do you have some things to actually say to that I think like you captured that well. I think you actually captured that well. Yeah. At the end of the day, the it's not necessarily the situation that creates, you know, your response. It's like your experience of that situation. 
someone can go through a car crash and a plane crash and all of that and then do deep on scale and they're like oh i survived and i'm okay and someone can have like a rush of like an okada is just like zooming past them and it will create its own type of like traumatic situation where a lot of things are activated and someone can sit down and say like well this person went through like a car crash and they're okay but you don't get to decide what is um, valid enough to be traumatized by or what is valid enough to be impacted by the other person that each person's experience of a situation is valid and if they need help if they need support that's okay give it to them yeah, I completely agree. Um, I know you talked about um, accepting one of the greatest mis- misconceptions when it comes to um, other type of grief than the typical grief is um, um, people say they should. Um, I should have stopped feeling this way. Um, I should have moved, moved past this person, especially when it comes to relationship, which we're really focusing on right now. So I guess my question would be um, understanding that there shouldn't be a timeline so you don't put yourself too much pressure, but what would you say are some of the factors that impact um, sort of like a smoother process or a quicker process of recovery when it comes to like the loss of a relationship? So by that, do you mean the things that help people? Um, yeah, yeah, the positive. Yeah, the yes, yes. Thank you very much for, <laughs> for clarifying that. Yeah, what are some positive um, um, impacts that actually help people move past that process and make it, I wouldn't say easier, but make it bearable? I think the first one is community. Like your people, when you're hurt, when you, when you go through like a relational problem or relational trauma or relational whatever it is, you still have to heal relationally even if it's not in the same context. So it can be like the end of a platonic relationship and a romantic relationship will put you together. It can be the end of a romantic relationship and your platonic relationships will put you together. There is something about the, the place of community in people's lives where people remind you about who you are. They remind you that you are lovable. They remind you that the worst version of you that is showing up right now is not the only version of you that exists they remind you that joy exists too and sometimes they will just like reduce the sense of isolation that shows up when someone significant to you exits your life so sometimes it can be something as simple as someone staying on the phone with you they may not necessarily talk to you but they're just like sitting on the phone with you and just like being there with you like It's like, you know, it's compassion where someone is suffering while you're suffering and celebrating while you're celebrating. So the role of community is is so it's so important. Like tiny things, have friend dates, call your friends, be with people, just sit with them. And the same thing, if you're not even the one going through the breakup and someone else is experiencing it, be with them too. Then um there's also I would say time. It's very like the role of time is just there are some things that you wouldn't even know or observe or notice until that like time has come in. Where you're after like a week after the end of a relationship, and you might be in the thick of things, but a month after a relationship, you're just like, ah, so that's why that happened. You know, six months in, you're just like, ah. So it's just like the role of time is just, it's it's weird. And it, it, when they say like time heals all wounds or whatever, there's also, there's also that part, right? And then deliberately paying attention to the things that give you joy. Like regardless mm. of how small it is, like whatever it is that you did each day that made you smile. Because at the end of a relationship, a lot of big things show up. Like, would I ever be happy again? People have this impact bias where they feel like pain is unending. And, you know, the big feelings that you're feeling would always be the big feelings that you're feeling. Sometimes you need something that will break up those feelings and remind you that there is still joy accessible to you even right now. So it can be something as um, cooking or going for a walk or watching a TV show, like being deliberately conscious and present about those things and just like grabbing them as they show up it helps so community being 
conscious about the things that give you joy and deliberately chasing those things, time, and then showing yourself a lot of compassion. The role of compassion is so key. The role of self-compassion is so important because, again, the end of a relationship brings up a lot of shame. It brings up a lot of guilt. It brings up a lot of anger. It brings up a lot of resentment. And when you're self-reflecting at the end of a relationship and you find that there are things that you could have done differently or there's a role that you played in it and then that would now compound the shame, that is where compassion <laughs> will show up. That is why you need like that compassion even more because you can learn your lessons without injuring yourself in the process. You can lesson without like further you know being an unsafe space for yourself because sometimes people will learn all of these things and say like you know what i'm not deserving of love anymore i just i was just a horrible person and they define themselves by that alone they forget that there are many days ahead that they can evolve and they can get closer to these values that they now recognize that it matters to them in a relational context so compassion is so important especially when shame shows up when it's just like oh my god what does it say about me that this person that i posted everywhere social media <laughs> I've, I've now collected breakfast and that's it it's like Sometimes you just need like a tiny bit of compassion and a lot of courage to face those pictures. If you need to archive it, archive it, whatever it is, like to just move through like one day at a time. So I would say compassion, your community time, and then joy. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. And the, going back to some of the last things you said about um, people building their entire identity around yeah, that is said relationship and that coming to an end like this was somebody used to post on social media now this person is posting somebody else like sometimes it can be really really um i think that's actually um if it's fair to use the word trauma i think that sometimes re-traumatize people when they have to go through that kind of a situation or sometimes it's like maybe splitting up assets, um, having to deal with mutual friends, you know, things like that. So it can be very, very overwhelming. So uh, what would be your sort of like um, advice on how to deal with things like that? Would you say, for example, um, is it best to just um, um, block that person from social media so you don't get to like follow up on their lives and what's going on with them? Because that's something like people constantly... Um, I've seen a situation where somebody um, ended a relationship, but almost every single day they still go to that their ex's um, Instagram page to just check on what they what they've been up to, and it's like that was um, you could actually tell that that was actually um, hindering or. Um, stopping them from moving past the situation they were because it's like one minute this person is happy and then the person calls you and says and can you imagine i went to x to this person's um, instagram and i saw that and it doesn't it doesn't take that quick to kind of move up for um, move on from what we had and things like that so sometimes or like having to deal with like mutual friends or them having to like maybe it's a divorce and now they have to constantly see themselves during that divorce process and talking about the splitting of assets and things like that so how would you best advise people to kind of like um help like navigate that situation in a healthy way oh i don't even know if i will call everything um about that traumatic i think it's that it can fall under the umbrella of something that is traumatic but um who the need to or the compulsion to say stalk an ex or check up on what the ex is doing it comes from different places. Sometimes it can be you find yourself walking down memory lane and then you, there's now that compulsion to see like, what is this other person up to? Or sometimes it can be lingering, like it can be that, that lingering feeling of care. Is this person okay? Right? Even though I'm sad, I hope that they're not sad. And it's very weird because it's like for your from a caring place moving to their social media page and then you see that they're happy and it's like oh my god how are they happy and i'm okay it was that easy to get over and all like i think it starts from recognizing what are the prompts that you know lead you to go there what are the things that prompt you to go to their page whatever it is that is the motivation for that right can you 
you know, replace that compulsion with something else. Say when you notice that you actually care about this person and you're worried and all of that, do you want to journal your questions down and like write a letter that you probably never send? And just, or sometimes it may even help to just say it out loud, like, okay, I'm thinking about you. Or it may not even be a call. I'm not saying call them, but just like say, like give space to your feelings and like, I'm thinking about this person and I hope that they are okay, right? And um, sometimes it helps to block the person. So for for I've, I've seen instances where the blocking is, is not even for a malicious place. It's just like, oh, hey, I need to install some self-care guides or some self-care boundaries right now. And that looks like, you know, digitally blocking you or you know, all, across all social media, at least until I am in a good place. Don't take it. Um, it's not It's not a malicious thing. I just want us both to like heal until we are past this phase of our lives so that, you know, the other person, if it's, if it's a relationship that you still want to preserve, the other person knows that this is where you're coming from. But even if it's not a conversation that you can have, sometimes you just need to like take that step for yourself and block them as a way of like you know setting digital boundaries for yourself and then whenever whenever it is years from now months from now whenever you can now unblock them but i think step one would be like finding out what is it that prompts you to go there because it's not necessarily that you want to you don't re, you, you don't want to harm yourself by going there. You don't want to be angry. You don't want to be triggered. You don't want to be all of these things, but yet you find yourself doing these things. Identifying the root cause of that and then replacing the answer to that root cause with something else, replacing that behavior to something else, recognizing that there are other ways to respond to that prompt rather than stalking them. That is like one way to go about it. Yeah, that's true. And that's why sometimes some people would go as far as saying, um, I'm deleting this person's number because having it on my phone would like make me want to still reach out to them and things like that. Even sometimes, especially when it was not a healthy type of relationship, like it was abusive, mm-hmm. some people still um, find themselves, you know, wanting to be in that situation. So maybe it's healthy for you to just um, take the blocking route, like... <laughs> Like, like you rightly pointed out, but yeah, um, it's, it's, people are going through it. We are all going through it. This is, is, it can be very, very complicated and very, very, um, how would I say this? The, the relationship thing is, is one that I think everyone kind of has a story about it, right? Everybody has, um, even if it's not like a romantic relationship, like a platonic relationship, like you rightly said, or even like sometimes people fall, have huge falling outs with like family. Um, like, and, and I guess that can also be categorized as like the end of a relationship, right? Definitely. Yes, definitely. Um, I think that people people don't really allow themselves to feel that falling out from their family because I think we, in that context, people give non people that go non-contact with their family a lot of grief. It's like at the end of the day, they're your family. You should still be talking to them or you should still be all of that. Mm-hmm. But that is also a breakup that happens. And sometimes that breakup is very necessary because if you're still within that space, it will, it will do more damage to you than good. So yes, I would, I would categorize that as the end of a relationship too. Okay. Um, first things first, I have a two-part question. Number one is, would you, is it healthy for people to still have a relationship with their ex? And if yes or no, when, in what context, um, can that situation, um, be given a chance to exist? Is it healthy? I would, I don't, immediately, I wouldn't say yes. When people want to maintain um, contact with their ex, I'm very curious um, why that is. Not necessarily because it's a bad thing. It's because like when you understand the motivation behind why you want to maintain contact with your ex, then you can now decide whether or not it's healthy. If it's a relationship where you are both not in love with each other, the, the love or the romantic love 
so to speak, had gone from both parts and you were both just friends and you're just staying in town. And then you both came and sat and say, it looks like this relationship is not working romantically, but we want to preserve the spirit of our relationship. Or can we like evolve it into a sort of friendship? Is that something that you're open to? And then you both check yourself and then you're like, we are good. Then you can maintain that friendship. It's weird, it's weird but there are relationships yeah. like that that have happened. Like they've been married for like years, and it's like it looks like we are just we are G's, but we are not like in love. But we don't hate each other. Like we mm. actually like each other, but we want to explore love in other with other people. Can we do that? Can we permit ourselves to do that? When that relationship ends, you see the couple still being friends. You see the couple still talk, uh, talking about like new partners and all. Then that's okay. But if it's not one that, if it's one that say the love was still there, but compatibility went out of the window, or the love was still there, but individual irreconcilable differences were there, but there are still a lot of big feelings showing up. Sometimes people move to friendship immediately as some sort of like consolation point. Is like I love you, hmm. I must have you in some capacity in my life, or. If it's if a lot of shame is showing up, sometimes people angle for friendship because it's like, what does it say about me? If one moment you were my significant other and the other moment you're not present in my life at all. Sometimes friendship is even from a point where they are not yet at that point of acceptance because it just feels very jarring. Like someone that you shared all of this time with together, it's weird that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's weird that they've disappeared from your life. Mm. So like, what is the motivation behind moving to friendship immediately? Understanding that motivation would under, would now like give you context on whether or not it's healthy. It's not necessarily like a yes or no answer. But I think generally, I, I recommend setting emotional milestones. Emotional milestones is like, you don't jump from today, we are not in a relationship with each other anymore, and tomorrow we are friends. It's like, today we are not in a relationship anymore. Tomorrow we are not talking, and that's okay. Next tomorrow we are still not talking, that's okay. You know, two, two weeks from now, maybe I've even blocked you on social media, that's cool. But like two months, if I run into you somewhere, I wouldn't die. And that is a milestone on its own. I don't feel like crying, and that's a milestone. You know, and then it can be like six months. I heard that you're dating someone new, and I feel okay with it. That is a milestone on its own. And then a year from now, if organically, the same way you make friends with anybody, if organically that friendship builds up on its own without anybody going like, we should be friends, we must be friends, all of that. If it organically shows up, like then the has been created. It's not just something that we force each other to. It's more like we actually worked and built this friendship from a healthy point to the point that I can hear about you dating someone new and not feel like dying. You can hear about me dating someone new and not feel, even if like there's a somehow feeling there, you can self-soothe through it without reacting or pouring that out on me. It's just like, hmm, I know. Well, like, it's almost, it's, of course, it's become, it's become very interesting. Like if you're talking to your ex about something and they're like, oh, I get where your boyfriend is coming from. It's like, oh my God, we used to argue about that all the time. A healed friendship will sound like you are both laughing about it and it's like, oh, shoot, what would you want him to do in that moment? But the other person can be like, yeah, I told you. And then it's like a whole complicated mess. You're not there yet. That's a milestone that you've not reached. So it's like set emotional milestones that are very realistic for yourself first, not even for the other person. It's the other person's work to do their own healing journey. And then when you're Mm -hmm. there... If it's organ, if it's organically like shows up, like I mean, like actually, literally, let them go. If it organically shows up and they are, and they like occupy their own space as a friend in your life, then it's okay. But from the jump, I would say interrogate that immediate need to be friends with that person so that you'll be able to determine whether or not it's healthy. And then if you see that, oh, it's not necessarily from a place of I am, I have accepted it and I'm okay. It's more of a place of like or I must have a space in this person's life because it will mean something or it's shame or something not necessary that doesn't speak to peace and rest, then start setting those emotional milestones and don't force it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree with that. But sometimes, you know, um, people don't really have a choice than to have that kind of relationship. And I'll give you an example. Um, say it's a divorce, right? And they they have children together, 
now it's now it's like you can't you have to be a parent to that child even if you're not a partner to the person you brought that child into the world with or those children so in that kind of a situation um how what would be a healthy way to deal with that kind of a situation because some people can still constantly be remembered by having to communicate with this person constantly right because maybe somebody's picking this person up um the child is coming home for um going to this person's house for the weekend or this person has to take full responsibility or maybe there's a health emergency and you're constantly reminded about this person because they you can't just just that they're in your life whether you like it or not so how and especially if they are like young children and you you both still have to um you are responsible for that child until like they're 18 and this is um, a situation where the child is just four and just thinking about that thing like i still have to deal with this person for a very long period of time so how would you um, actually um advise people or what would be the best way of handling such situations i'll say that at the tail end of a divorce when you have to co-parent with the other person it now depends on what the agreement is you can stick to that agreement without immediately forcing yourself to be ready for a friendship if that is not where you are now being a good co-parent means being cordial it can mean being mm -hmm. respectful it can be being considerate there are a lot of all of these things that you can set in place by being a decent human being without necessarily compelling yourself to be immediate friends with them so abide by those agreements show up the way you're supposed to show up by you know based off of what you have both agreed to and then over time if a friendship develops that is okay. You may need to self-soothe when you hear about your other partners dating, maybe say from your kids. You may need to create like a support system on days where you're angry. You may need to vent with your friends. You may need to go to therapy to process the loss. You may need to actually build up, you know, new skills necessary to move through what it means to develop a relationship, a new kind of a relationship with a co-parent so if especially if it's one that you're at that point not a fan of but you need to be there for because of your kids that is okay recognize like the gaps that you have and start building those skills but again i wouldn't say that it's compulsory to immediately be friends like in the actual friends friends of the world where you're talking about each other's lives and all of that all of that you can be cordial you can be respectful you can be considerate you can respect the other person's boundaries and all of that i feel like when you meet those criteria you're already doing a good job and then when you're ready and you know it's something that happens again organically that can show but you have other support systems outside that one as a friend it's not compulsory that they are they play that role immediately as your friend. They can just be a co-parent of that. Yeah, that's that's very very true. Wow, it it can be something. I'm I'm sure um, people listening who may be going through like a similar situation i just hope they pick something out of that that can be sort of useful so um another thing i would like to talk about staying still staying here like this particular session we are this particular um area of discussion is um sometimes people people know a relationship has to end for reasons best known to them maybe it's an abusive relationship maybe the relationship is not making them realize their full potential or they don't feel like they're themselves or they have to lock up a part of themselves simply because they want to be in that relationship or whatever situation that is and for some reason um they constantly find excuses or i, I wouldn't i wouldn't say excuses that would be too harsh they find reasons why they should still be in that relationship. Sometimes it can be the fact like the one we are all familiar with as Africans, especially Nigerians. And most times we would hear from parents, especially mothers would say they stayed in the relationship because of their children, right? Um, some young people would stay in relationship because their identity, like we talked about earlier on, has been totally built around that person. And they don't know what life is without that person in their life and they don't just want to go and find out they're not ready for that adventure right and there's so many things we can go on and on but even sometimes even when they see okay sometimes they might be 
financially dependent on that person, even as just um, relationship when they're not married yet, you need something from this person. You constantly see reasons why this thing is not healthy for yourself. You're constantly spiraling out of control, but you still have to be here because of X, Y, and Z. And not to be judgy, I'm just pointing out those kind of a situation, those kind of situations. So how, what would be the, the best way to handle said situation? Because, okay, um, I remember back to one of the com- the first conversations we had on this podcast, right? Where you talked about a situation where um, if someone is an abusive is an is in an abusive relationship, we need to recognize that we are going to have to um, advise that person or work with that person for up to nine times because sometimes they end up going back to that abusive relationship because of some of the factors I just pointed out right now. So. Um, and we should be willing to have patience with them, even if they go back to that kind of a situation. And we should actually try to understand the reason why that is happening. And maybe that would be a better approach to helping them get out of, get out of that situation. But individually right now, I'm talking about the individual that, that finds themselves in this kind of a situation. Um, how would you, what would you say to them? I wouldn't even say an ad, like, what would you say to them? Oh. I think from the jump, I will just offer one a lot of like empathy because relationships are not just, you know, romantic and loving and all of these emotional parts. There's also the practical part where your lives are intertwined, your community is intertwined, your finances may be intertwined. So at some point, you may now need to start sitting down to like untangle the situation from your end like what would it actually cost you to leave this relationship practically what do you require to take that step out of that relationship and what are the things that you would lose when you leave the relationship or if you decide to you know end the relationship it may mean you talking to say either a financial advisor or a friend that is good with money or a friend that is good with you know that has experienced something similar to or maybe just like someone that is a good listener that would help you see the practical side of these things and like walk you through what it will mean right and Sometimes like grief happens because all of this is still in the conversation of grief, right? Sometimes grief happens before the end comes where people have that preemptive grief of what they know they would lose if they take this step. And when you start um, doing this work, when you speak to this friend, that can be like the first step in accepting that where you are in now is not where you're supposed to be, right? Right acceptance is always like a good first step to have so from that point of acceptance you can now start asking yourself like what does it require of me to walk away from here what does it mean if i need to build my community from the jump what does it mean does it mean i need to get a new job a second job a side hustle which one of my friends can i crash with for a bit right like I think the step is not necessary, it's not really about, you know, forcing yourself to end the relationship. It's like, what does it mean to accept that this relationship needs to end? And what are the things that would make it easier for me to accept it? What are the things that would make transitioning from being in a relationship to being a single person? What do I need to do, like, practically to make that happen? I think that's, like, the work there. Yeah, it's 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 the emotional part, yes, but sometimes you need to like go to someone and sit with them and like I need you to like listen to me non judgmentally and walk me through this, you know, entanglement that I am in and then hold my hand as I take one step at a time, one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah, because um I think it's sometimes very irresponsible of us um to come to the public sphere and talk about people should just leave whatever relationship, right? And not wanting to sort of like do the groundwork and understand what is really, really going on. I see this is a culture that is highly propagated today on the internet. It's like you see a snapshot of an entire um relationship or an entire um yeah relationship that has spawned for a very long for a very long time right you see a single snapshot and you just want to judge every single thing 
um, with that single snapshot. So, and I'm not saying people shouldn't, shouldn't leave um, relationships that are not healthy for them, but I'm just trying to say, um, us as a community, trying to understand what is really going on is kind of like the best way we can help said individual instead of just giving this um, universal kind of response that we have all the time to any situation that comes up on our screen and so on. Because <clears throat> I saw a video, I think it was two days ago or yesterday on Instagram where this girl was going on about talking about um, the fact that um, she's not going to get married to a guy who actually put her through school, like paid her bills and all of that. And she was kind of doing it in a funny way and talking about the fact that um, the, the guy's parents never liked her. So she and, and the sisters and whatnot, they treated her some type of way. And she always knew that she was not going to marry that person. But still, um, you knew you were not going to marry that person, but you still accepted all the financial aid and help they offered to you because uh, knowing fully well now it's 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 one thing if you you were still even under that under that assumption yourself that you're still going to end up with this person but knowing that that's never going to be the case and still going through with it um even if that seems to be your only um out at that particular moment <laughs> i just can't give that sort of blanket it's not just going to be comfortable it's not going to be scot free emotionally enough it, there's the emotional the emotional aspect even if there are no like financial implications or anything it's a lot to grapple with it when you build a culture with somebody even if it's a good morning text every day for like six months and then the day after that you know there's no good money text that alone can be it can be distressing now when you now add the financial layer to it let's not forget that we live in a capitalist world where everything costs money right you add that with the emotional aspect because the fact that someone is dependent on another person financially it doesn't mean that they don't like the person it just means that again there's that layer attached to it it makes it all the more difficult because it's like okay now even if they've been, con they've been considering like job hunting in this current economy wow yeah. now add a now add another layer of like a shared community. Loneliness mm -hmm. is just as dangerous as smoking. So it's just like all your friends are their friends and their friends are your friends and all of these things are happening. And it's like that sense of isolation that is looming is very scary to even want to think about. It's like, what if I lose my people when this person goes? And that and that happens too what if like all the people that i have been friends with the brunch dates the games night and all of that if they go as well and then there's now like the other layer of like social approval if you're married to someone and in traffic stop they see your wedding ring and they're like oh madam it's okay you can go let's like whatever <laughs> and then you're not you're divorced and you're not, you're not taking off your ring there's this status that comes with and it doesn't make you vain or you know shallow to want to enjoy the social status because again life is just designed that way right there's the social acceptance with being partnered so it's a lot it's like yes it, it it's not going to be easy and there are situations where you like recommend it but at the same time i don't want to minimize like the difficulty that comes with ending because endings are intricate they are they are just something so it's just like i feel you when people just say all of that i just go like i feel you and whenever you're ready you know go for it yeah and 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 i think that is why um situations like this or conversations like this actually require a deep dive i'm always i always tell people I mean, a deep dive for them personally with their community or maybe talking to a professional, analyzing their particular situation to then know how to move on forward, to not know how to move forward. Because there's this culture of people propagating their coping mechanism as a proper solution to everybody else's problem, right? That's the new trend. If your boyfriend is not giving you money, whatever. If he's not good in bed, if like you know there's this culture of like this is my coping mechanism even if it works for me or it's totally health unhealthy because i have an audience i have a following or because i have a phone i can put it to my face or whatnot i'll just rightfully propagate right as a proper solution to problems so even 
um, I'm hesitant sometimes, even when I ask for advice on this um, podcast, right? Or I talk to people, um, I still tell people like, see, understand that, okay, she's a professional. She's talking. She's, she's basically um, giving a broad kind of like approach to the conversation, right? Individuality is still something that has to be taken into account and um, taking some of the advice of like building a community, understanding where you are, because one of the most um, amazing thing I've taken away from this conversation today is, for example, what you talked about, if if you want to still check on your ex or something, you should understand what, okay, what is that thing that is always prompting you to do that? Is it out of care? Is it because you're missing the person? Is it like that intentionality on understanding exactly where you are at every given time? I think that is the universal advice that people should really, really take into account when they are um, dealing with personal stuffs in their life. I think that's a, even if it's not a one fits all answer, it's still kind of something that helps you start that journey, right? Towards where you ultimately want to get to just recognizing exactly where you are as a person at all times and going back to the mm. facts where you talked about um, <laughs> um the cultural um thing where people like um when somebody's married they are being treated a certain type of way and when somebody's not so one of the first conversations i had on this uh podcast was kafi right the the dancer she was very 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 kind enough to come on and um, talk about her journey and that was that was um and the height of when she was actually going through her separation or divorce with her husband right and it was all over the news all over the internet it was something every single day and she talked about the fact that she has experienced life being married and experienced life not being married and it's like sometimes even when you're a bad person and you're married society tends to treat you a different type of way right they would accept you or whatnot but when they see that your marriage age whatever that is which is not left for me to define and you are not then community society starts treating you a certain type of way and it's just really really crazy i would really i really um um recommend or advise people to go listen to that episode it was really really crazy the way she broke it down and and whatnot it's a very very interesting guest to have um so moving forward right um there's this thing that we were talking about slightly and and we didn't really take a deep dive into it and that's the self-confidence and the self-esteem part right when a relationship ends right and i think that is tied to a lot of things when people if they don't get their confidence back it's hard for them to move on it's even hard for them to even find or get into another relationship and things like that so i'm rounding up um how would you advise people or what would you say to people who are having a hard time building their confidence and their self-esteem after the end of a relationship I would say um, get curious about yourself again because when you're in a relationship, a lot of times we start knowing ourselves in the relational um, context. You start knowing that um, I'm the person that sleeps late while my person, my partner sleeps early. I'm the secure attachment, attached person while my partner isn't. Da, da, da. And everything is kind of done within the context of a relationship. So now, when that is gone, um, sometimes your self-esteem or confidence goes with it because like all that you, you've you learned about yourself in the last month, year, was in like that relational you know, context. Now you're single again. What does that look like? Who, wh- what do you enjoy? Um, get to know yourself again. Ask yourself questions. The last time you laughed, were you surprised that the thing that made you laugh was the thing that made you laugh? When was the last time you did something new? You know, like get curious about yourself. The same way you ask the other person, like, tell me about yourself and you go on all of these dates. It doesn't even have to be like in the date context, you know, all of those things. But you can start like romanticizing, start romanticizing your life again, like journal every day. What was something new that you learned about yourself? What was something that you struggled with? What is something that you're learning to accept about yourself? What is something that you're struggling to accept about yourself? What is something that you surprised yourself about? Like, really turn yourself, be a subject of yourself and, like, indulge in that over and over again, even if it feels ridiculous. At the end of that journey, of which I don't even think there is an end to the journey, but at some point... 
you'll be so sure about who you are that that is the only thing that you would express. There's a level of authenticity that would come from that work of curiosity that you have done. And when you're constantly being authentic with yourself and you're constantly presenting that forward as like, this is me, I've accepted this me, and this is a me that I want you to get to know, your self-esteem kind of would it's like it's a side effect of all of that work. Your self-confidence is a side effect of all of that work because when you're not self-confident, you find that who you are presenting is very different from who you are internally. But when you're confident, who you are presenting matches who you are internally. That's like there's a lot of authenticity there. So do that curious work. Get to know yourself again. Romanticize your life as much as possible. When, with, when you're with your friends, be present with yourself there and also like get to know like what is it about these people that bring out this side of me right like be have that main character energy for you know as much as you can flex it and then see how it leads to you be more authentic and a side effect of that would definitely be like a boost in your self-confidence and self-esteem thank you very much i think that's very very helpful um but before we round up um i'd like to ask this question um, if someone is going through such situation like the end of a relationship and they are trying all of some of these things you're talking about and it's almost like they're not getting better or something and it's overwhelming for them to handle at that point in their life. Um, I guess, when would you say is the best time for people to actually seek professional help if they can't do it on their own? It can be from the jump. It can be, you know, sometimes people just proactively schedule a session like, oh, I'm going to break up with my partner, it's going to be hard, so let's talk about it. It doesn't have to get to the point where you can't handle it before you start talking to someone about it. Sometimes you have the tools and you need like a, a soundboard, so to speak, to walk through it with you. So... It doesn't have to get to that point where you break down. But um, to answer your question specifically, I think when you find that you can't, say, process your feelings, grieve, at the same time, show up in the things that you enjoy doing. At the same time, show up in your work in some capacity. At the same time, show up in your friends in, in the same capacity. Like when you find that you're actually struggling with like maintaining that functionality of your life, that's waking up, taking a bath, eating, going to work, all of those things. Like in many ways, losing a relationship would disrupt your life. But when it gets to the point where you're in despair, when you're putting yourself or other people in danger, when you can't like say, if you enjoy dressing up, you can't like dress up, you, you your self-talk is one that has been detrimental. When you feel like your self-trust has been eroded, you don't have to get to the point where where you can't function, right, before you seek help, right? But um, when should you start therapy? When you notice that the impact of the end of the relationship is also corroding other areas of your life more than you expect like you would expect that you would be sad for a bit but if it's the point where like you have crying spells all day you have like anxiety you can't show up at work you can't show up in your friendships you can't show up for yourself again doesn't even have to get to that point but when you notice that there's a lot of distress happening there's a lot of dysfunction happening with yourself and with other people where it's impacting your self-talk and the way you show up, where your self-trust has been damaged or you're not like the kind or warm person that you were and so on, then it may be time to, you know, seek professional help. But again, it doesn't have to get to that point. You can simply go to therapy because you want this soundboard. You want like to know that you're on the right track. You want to try out different like techniques and you want someone to share that that you also want to share that with and so on so yeah yeah thank you very much so um rounding up the conversation um thank you very much so um how can people actually find you online or find 
or get in touch with you to um, for your services, just like you're talking about like the importance of seeking professional help. Um, how can people get in touch with you or contact you if they want to go through that journey with you? Sure. Um, if you want to go through that journey with me, you can send an email to anu, that's A-A-N-U, at ustherapy, U-S, therapy.org, or send me a DM on Instagram at ustherapy, or my website, ustherapy.org. Yeah, thank you very much. I would most definitely leave links to that um, so people can easily find it. Um, so... Um, like I said, in the start of this conversation, um, it's going to be a four part series today. We basically touched on, um, the relationship part and the next one is going to be, um, grief when someone is, um, experiences the loss of a job. Right. And, um, I would implore people to stay tuned because, um, it's going to be, um, a very, very interesting four part series. And the first one to me was a success and I'm hoping, um, the other ones continue to help people in any way shape or form um once again thank you very much for taking the time to have this conversation with me and do enjoy the rest of your day and take care of yourself thank you very much for listening to this conversation to support this podcast please like share leave a comment or review and follow us on instagram and twitter at peers underscore arena thank you once more